Facts with Adam Curry for March 28, 2020. This is episode number 31. Pandemic 2020 lockdown, Adam and Mo on Rona Radio. <laughs> Just figuring out a day gig. If, if we never get back to work, it'll be uh, Adam and Mo every day, Rona Radio. <laughs> Yes, that's R O N A on your dial. That's <laughs> you know. Hold on a second before we do even anything. I need to. Uh, I need to see if that domain name is available. <laughs> well, let's just that'd be funny. Hold on a second. Let's see. Uh, check for the domain RonaRadio.com. Available. All right. I am now registering that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we don't know what we'll do with it yet. Uh, if we have, hopefully we won't need it, but you never know. RonaRadio.com, everybody. How you doing? Call How you doing, letters, R-O-N-A, yes. <laughs> R-O-N-A. How you doing, Mo? Everything good? I am doing well, sir. How about yourself? Yeah, pretty good. How are the kids? I, I got to ask, you know, because we don't have any to, to deal with during this, uh, this crisis. Uh, I know you got four, so they're hanging in? Oh, they're doing well. Um... I think they miss school because my wife is even harder on them. Probably <laughs> they get at school. Uh, we still let them outside. Yeah, uh, living life <laughs> as normal as possible. Yeah. So I mean, everything's going well. Yeah, I was going to say it's actually it's kind of handy. You got four kids now. You know, you get uh, four times that five hundred bucks. <laughs> actually turned out to be valuable these kids for once uh, that's good man congratulations on that thank you thank you <laughs> so to try and keep some normalcy during the lockdown uh we're just continuing with our regular schedule with uh mo Facts with adam curry thank you all for your uh, uh your feedback uh i could even see people posting earlier today like i need mo Facts now how am i gonna get through my saturday <laughs> oh and uh i think I think I like the Saturday day because it gives people, you know, something to look forward to to get the weekend started off. Yeah, right, so. yeah something to anticipate. And, uh, mm-hmm. and of course, depending on how, how many million clips you got, you know, that kind of depends <laughs> what time the show is, <laughs> is posted. So what do we got going on for today, Mo? What's uh, what's the word? Well, you had to spin the wheel. Oh, we can find here out. we go. All right. Spinning the wheel of clips. The Wheel of Topics, the Wheel of Fortune here on MoFax. Let's find out what today's topic will be, where the wheel stops, nobody knows. Here we go, the clip it goes. Black identity extremists. What's that? Black identity extremists. Yes. Is this is this the, is this the opposite of white nationalist extremists? I think it's the exact same, but just different groups. Oh, okay. All right. I, I, so this is a t- term that cropped up. In uh, around 2017, mm-hmm. uh, by a leaked uh, FBI um, document, and so I waited, took my time. I mean, it's been on my radar, but <clears throat> until I have time to actually dig into these things, um, I don't like to address them. So I thought this would be a, this would be a great time. Oh, this is so. This is from your uh, your your long t- long term open open case open open cases file. This is where you yes from the list from the list from the list. Got it. All right. Good. 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 Uh, so I guess we'll just jump right in with uh, FBI warrants of terror. 
Black identity extremists now considered a domestic terror threat by the FBI. The Bureau releasing an explosive new report claiming police officers are being targeted by people who perceive racial injustices. The FBI says the 2014 shooting death of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, spawned the threat against cops. Brown's death also sparking violent riots across the country. Hmm. Was this a TMZ report? Because it sure sounded like it. Actually, it was a Fox News report oh. and the music and the jazziness. It was the uh, same thing. It caught my attention, too. I'm glad you picked up on that. Yeah. TMZ, Fox. Same, same, same. No difference. So have you heard of this term? I, I want to know what you know about it. And I, I don't think uh, I have. I uh, Black extremists black identity extreme no it also it does it, it's not a great term if i'm going to be a terrorist you mm-hmm. know what's it you know i'm a terrorist over my identity it just it sounds kind of wimpy it's b-i-e i mean that was the uh, acronym, B-I-E? uh yeah. associ- yes it's not quite like with it. you know it's not quite like black panthers if you know what i mean you know <laughs> b-i-e right panthers <laughs> oh okay yeah, I it guess just don't roll off the tongue not really no but i had not heard of it as far as i know so that's interesting. So they tried to push this term and obviously it didn't make it across the threshold, uh, but it was trending on black Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm just shocked that you didn't show up on your timeline yeah, anytime. <laughs> maybe it's before you actually start tracking it. Yeah. Maybe the so, algos just took it away from me. You never know. Right. But it was a huge talking point on, on the pro black side of things, because basically it was, um, similar to what we've seen in the past uh, with groups being targeted and how they create narratives. But today's show, we're not going to go too deep into the groups that are being labeled this because there is no clear group or groups being identified as this, but how this term came about. And, you know, I'm all about narrative. I'm all about um, how they create these terms and i always like to get into find out what the origin of these um these things are it's also good if we'll find out today why this one failed uh and or did or was it stopped i don't know i i don't know either but um i guess we can get into uh fbi sites black extremists as terror Meanwhile, the FBI warns this. Get this. They warn Americans of new a new domestic terror threat, black identity extremists. What's that? Well, it goes back to a lot of these police shootings. When we look at the Alton Sterling shooting in Louisiana, for example, you had a madman dis- that decided in retaliation for that to shoot officers. The same thing held true in Dallas. You had another madman that decided to shoot police officers. Who was a veteran. It's, yeah. Right, right, exactly. But when we think about these African-American extremists, this is something Something that's a byproduct of, I'm going to say, Black Lives Matter and a lot of these other um, organizations. And I don't want to say Black Lives Matter caused it. However, they do have a responsibility to marshal in their following to ensure that I shouldn't say ensure, but let them know that we are going to protest for peace. And they failed at that. Therefore, they do have a level of complacency. Okay, so I heard uh, a splinter group of Black Lives Matter in that report. Well, what these two brought up is that the Black Lives Matter movement kind of whipped up this uh, this uh, anger or frustration with police officers, and then you had. A few- I, I, I think it's fair to say it was a lot of anger. That's no, yeah. you know, looking at what we saw in Baltimore, a lot of anger. Correct, a lot of anger, but there was no organ organization to the anger. Now, right. how it got started, we've talked about it on the show before that it became came top down 
we've already laid out the links in previous shows of George Soros and the funding of him to Black Lives Matter, but the, the violent acts, those were not tied to any specific group. And I think this was the point of this label so they could kind of lump all the act bad actors under one title. Right. In in order to okay. It, well, that's interesting in by itself. Yeah. So maybe it wasn't a group, but they just gave it a name, and that's all these people doing this. Well, you saw the same thing with white nationalists and um, yeah. making uh, white uh, groups uh, terror, making them terrorist groups, and it's the same thing. But yeah. I think this just happened prior to it. Just didn't take. And it's funny that I only found clips, like official news clips, on the Fox Network. <laughs> I'm not just I'm not cherry picking from Fox. I'm it's just the the ones that were communicating it as an actual threat were only coming from Fox. Well, that's and that, that that's the reason why it never got any legs right there. <laughs> if, you, if you try to launch a meme through Fox, it's going to die. It's you know the, anything that comes out of there, the other networks will never pick up. They'll never they'll never agree on that. But I do like I find it interesting that someone was out there and needed to name him. Yeah, and when you see something being named like that, it it all always it always just like I was like, where where is this going? Where is this coming from? I've never knew of any particular group that was speaking offensive violence. Now you have groups that speak of self defense, but you have that on all spectrums sure. of every race. Of you know, um, if anybody. Uh, comes at you you have the right to defend yourself i mean that's as, as american as apple pie but i never saw like the the offensive or uh uh going out and attacking people so that's what raised my um raised the flag on this situation and as you mentioned before if fox was trying to push this then you had the more liberal media pushing it back against this right and one of those uh organization is being vice <laughs> yes we're more an advertising agency than anything but yes and you're going to see that even be even more true in this next set of clips from uh inside the fbi hunt for black identity extremists in the early morning hours of december 12 2017 former marine and black activist christopher daniels aka rakem balagoon was arrested at his home for unlawful gun possession so what would warrant such a dramatic arrest and a possible jail sentence of 10 years? According to a leaked FBI document, there's a new group of domestic terrorists. Black identity extremists. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that was kind of yeah. scary. <laughs> I left that tail on there. <laughs> Just to set set the mood, huh? Set Very the mood scary black identity extremists. <laughs> I left it on there purposely, and I did it on a couple of clips to l see the tone of this uh, documentary or expose they did on, quote-unquote, black identity extremists. And what, what uh, name did this guy have? Christopher Daniels is what I heard? Uh, no, his name was, if you go on to rent it back, I didn't catch his name, but more important than his name is him being a former Marine. Yeah. Pay attention, everybody out there, pay attention, make a note of the connection with the military with these extremists. Hmm. It, it's a, it, you, it'll be laid out later, but they, as they pointed out, ex-Marine, uh, where is this going? Who, what is, what is this? I've never heard of this guy before. No. 
as I told, as I said before, that I'm I'm aware. I listen to a lot of different points of view on the black experience. Correct. Yes. This guy has never <laughs> registered on my radar <laughs> ever, and all of a sudden, Vice is doing a um a huge story on him, and well, I'll let them continue on uh, telling about his story. Rakim was greeted at home by family and members of Gorilla Mainframe, the black activist group that Rakim co-founded. On their website, Gorilla Mainframe describes themselves as a community-based political organization. Their activities include food drives, self-defense classes, weapons training, and open carry neighborhood patrols. It was these kinds of activities which are visible across Gorilla Mainframe and Rakim's social media accounts that Rakim believes made him a target of the FBI. Wow. <laughs> a lot of suppositions in there. Holy crap. I can't believe it. I have found one story from The Intercept. Fear of a black homeland. The strange tale of the FBI's fictional black identity extremism movement. Okay. This is mm-hmm. interesting. I bet you came across this as well as you were researching it. Yes, yes, I did. And All what right. I found strange or interesting was the name of his group, Gorilla Mainframe. And yeah. spelled not the animal, but like G U E R R I L L A. Now, the definition of gorilla itself is a person who engages in irregular warfare, <laughs> especially as a member of an independent unit carrying out harassment and sabotage. Uh, second, and this is from uh, Merriam-Webster, and the second definition is or relating to or suggestive of gorillas, especially being aggressive, radical, and unconventional. Yeah, it's not. It's not great. Gorilla warfare is not good. I'm talking about. Why would you name your organization Gorilla Mainframe? <laughs> gorilla Mainframe. I mean, you're putting a big red beacon saying, "Hey, come investigate me." <laughs> kind of. Bye. Do they have, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Do they have GorillaMainframe.com, too, and just register to, to, to their home address? Is that- they, they have a website, and they had several uh, uh, YouTube videos, but they were just talking about basically the same thing that the, that the Black Panther was doing, feeding the kids and self-defense. And I didn't really see take anything away from negative, but it's just all, all of this is just way too convenient. <laughs> I, yeah i hear you i hear you ex ex military guy now he comes home and he's trying to raise a new black panther party or a quote-unquote new black panther party uh and he's the first arrest under this new black identity uh, black identity extremist label mm-hmm. so i guess we need to figure out why the label yes i'd like to know there's this perception that the government promotes that we are in a uh, a stage of, of critical emergency because of terrorism and that's because they get more power and in order to retain that power they need to find more terrorists one of the most outspoken critics of the black identity extremist assessment is michael german a former fbi agent who did undercover work on white supremacists and right-wing militias in the 90s he's now a fellow for the brennan center for justice what incentive do you believe that the FBI has to make a label like black identity extremist? A person cannot be targeted for investigation based solely on First Amendment activity. So by creating this black identity extremism movement, 
they can use that as the justification to then target any activist who or any black person who is protesting police violence. One of my problems with this kind of, of intelligence report is these are six disparate acts of violence that they try to mold into a movement. There was really nothing connecting them except the fact that they killed police officers and the fact that they were black. Yeah, this is so typical for the FBI to do these types of things. I'll just give you my my mm-hmm. my, my gripe mm-hmm. up front. <laughs> my gripe up front, just like just, I was waiting for it. <laughs> just just uh, recently in the news, uh, in fact, it was during the uh, during the right after the president, you know, said, "Hey, everybody should stay home for uh, you know no more than 10. Of course, a lot of cities, even Austin, started to lock down. All of a sudden, after months of using a confidential informant to jack up some guy who lives with his grandmother to get him all freaky and like, oh, yeah, now I want to go kill everybody in the in the hospital, you know, show this coronavirus is a hoax, and they give him a phony bomb, and they give him all the, all just get him all jacked up to go, and then they arrest him, and the guy was armed, and, you know, so then a shootout uh, occurred. Convenient, the guy's dead, so he can't, mm-hmm. it just happens a lot. But this is a, a a cycle for the FBI. They do this kind of stuff every six weeks, or they used to do it every six weeks. And and uh, no agenda shows um, theory on this, and this comes from people inside the FBI who suggested as much, is, you know, they got to keep in the public eye, they got to keep the budgets coming, got to stay relevant. And now it seems like, oh, man, what a stretch. We're actually going to create a group name just to lump in a whole bunch of things, and you know, and then with that comes the same opportunity to pop things off at times that are convenient for the FBI or the Department of Justice, wherever it's convenient for. Uh, just like this Missouri bomber, I think what what a, what a great moment to terrify the citizens even more. They could have waited. And and the catalyst for this really, and it's a little foreshadowing here into the rest of the show. Is it was two events. It was several events, but two main events, and that was the shooting in Dallas. Yes, yes. I think five cops. Yep. And then the shooting in Baton Rouge that killed three cops. That happened. I think it was like ten days apart. Yeah, it was was a real messy period. All that happened in just the span of a month or so. All that stuff went down. I think it was like July seventh, and the second one was July seventeenth. Don't quote me on those dates, but I think it was roughly there. So they took these two <laughs> separate events that had nothing to do with each other and say, oh, we're going to roll them up. And that's what the gentleman that just spoke in the last clip was saying. Yeah. Roll them up into one thing, one, uh, one, one, one uh, label, event, one label, one label and one create movement. a label. Yeah. And then now, like you said, with the six sweet cycle that I became aware of on um, the no agenda show yeah. that now we have a new we have a new brand. <laughs> yeah, but this is the, these guys mess it up. Clearly, I don't know what went wrong. Maybe we'll find out. But what a, I would if I was in the meeting, it's like, all right, I got a great idea, guys. Hey, uh, we'll lump all this together. We'll give it a name, and uh, then we can do stuff with it. We can arrest people, do all kinds, have you know, get money, budgets, uh, look, create something scary. Yeah, good idea, boss. What are we gonna call it? Uh, think, black identity extremists. <laughs> yeah, that that's terrible. That's a terrible. I like name. gorilla gorilla. Uh, what was it? Uh, a gorilla mainframe. Gorilla mainframe. Now that's a name. It's like whoa. Yeah, I, that sounds scary. 
And the reason why I think this is just me speculating. I, I don't think you heard about this from the left wing of mainstream media is they were so supportive of Black Lives Matter. And this BIE is basically tied. They're trying to tie it to Black Lives Matter. So if their left wing of the media starts pushing this narrative, then they're complicit because they're the one that put the uh, battery in the back of Black Lives Matter. So they just like, we're going to suppress this and make it go away. Right. And that would explain why Fox would be interested in hyping the story up because they want to discredit um, everything the left does, everything the left sponsors, which would be Black Lives Matter. And they've always been anti-Black Lives Matter, so it, it just f- fits the brand. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, okay, <laughs> it does. Yeah, totally. it's an easy jump to go from Black Lives Matter to BIE. I mean, <laughs> maybe even the um, acronym is like a easy jump because like if you use the acronym instead of the uh, like BL- itself, BLM, BIE. Yeah, yeah. I think they should have done Notorious B.I.E. And then that would have been better than just B.I.E. It's just me, man. I I, I live for this stuff. <laughs> Notorious B.I.E. <laughs> just, just a thought. Just right, a thought. That, you, sir, are in advertising. <laughs> so uh, let's get into uh, B.I.E. 4. On August 3rd, 2017, the FBI created the Black Identity Extremist Assessment using the Dallas 2016 shooting and five other unrelated attacks on police as justification that this movement exists. Black identity extremists now considered a domestic terror threat by the FBI. According to the FBI assessment, it was very likely that these terrorists would target law enforcement officers in retaliation for perceived police violence against African-Americans. Due to the assessment classifying the group as a domestic terror organization, the FBI is able to justify any invasive surveillance tactics used in monitoring these targeted individuals. Wow, 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 wow. Hold on a second. <laughs> black, <laughs> black identity. I got it. Now I got to find this. Black identity extremists. And it was a terror group classification? Mm-hmm. Well, that thing is useless then if you can just name it and then say, eh. And then these groups yes. overlap. Oh, my I mean, God. Always- here it is. Here it is. Uh, <laughs> okay. BIE, notorious BIE was a designation. Uh, hold on a second. I thought it had terror. I thought I saw this somewhere. Um. I don't see an official. I wonder who has to name something official. For it to be an official uh, terrorist group, you know what I mean? That I'm not sure. I mean, it's on the FBI's list, so I mean, it's a, it's not a far jump uh, to get to get the uh, you know the rights to investigate or to circumvent people's their people's given rights to investigate them. But I just want to point out one other thing: <clears throat> the mind control music in this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. That, that's Vice, man. They're re- they're really good at that. It's a, it, they give you a whole documentary feel to it and just uh, pushing you through. You can't even question what's what's being told. It's good. Well, when this term popped up on uh, people's timelines and when this uh, leaked document started to get legs, there was only one comparison to, to bring up. And we brought it up in uh, show 15. And this is a throwback clip from there. 
Secret COINTELPRO. We know the government watches us, but what about when government surveillance changes the course of history? In the 1960s, the U.S. government started a program called COINTELPRO, or the Counterintelligence Program. The program was a series of secret FBI initiatives targeting activists, political, and minority groups. The American Indian Movement, the Black Panthers, Martin Luther King, women's and civil rights groups, Vietnam War protesters, and anyone who got the government seeing red. Tactics used included infiltration and surveying and discrediting leaders and causes in order to undermine entire movements and organizations. But a lot of what COINTELPRO did was illegal, and it was officially disbanded in 1971. Though if you ask many activist groups and political dissidents, it still exists, just in another form. Oh, well, yeah, of course. It's just like, yes, Operation Mockingbird also uh, ended, apparently. Yes, the MK Ultra ended. Yeah, it all ended. <laughs> so oh, yeah, sure. We just all ended. continued under a different name. But those, yeah, those programs ended. Yeah, fair enough. Well, Jeez. this is nothing new. And I, I mean, I'll just show uh, in the last clip that these kind of things have been going on. And one of the, well, any black group that pushes anything other than nonviolence is labeled as radical. The, the work, the, the previous term was radical, militant. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, uh, these were the terms that were labeled. Now we have extremists. Uh, right. One of those people that were labeled as an extremist was Malcolm X. <laughs> of course. A black man is supposed to have no feelings. But when a black man strikes back, he's an extremist. That was another scary clip. Well, I, I want to say this. I, those uh, Funk Master Flex bombs <laughs> were not an original clip. Uh, these were, this is the only place I could find his speech. And yeah. whoever posted it put these uh, explosive uh, bombs in the background every time he made an excellent point. Uh, it's a bit distracting, but I mean, you have to use the source material that you're given. Right. No, and, and, I, and I get the point. In, in fact, I'd like to make an, another point. We are dealing here with the BPE. <laughs> What's that? Block, What's that? Black podcasting extremists. Right there, Mo. It, I see you. Uh, hey, man. Hey, look. <laughs> and, and you wonder where this. Okay, I got to be honest. You wonder where this topic came from. And this is this shows the c- connectivity between the shows. I ended the last show off with the school of fish analogy. Yes. And part of that school of fish analogy is one, the fish can't be too close together or too far apart. Now with that analogy, this is the reason why you, if we, if we're going to be successful at creating change, we can't be too close together because they always can create these terms. They send infiltrators as we've seen throughout history and 
and to divide. They to divide and destroy and discredit and yeah, whatever term, whatever term you want to use. So that is the that is how we got from last show to this show. I, yes. I like to add that in. Okay, got it. And, and, and to be um, for Malcolm X, that's why he's not usable in the same way Martin Luther King is usable. Because King was about nonviolence and uh, loving each other, which we should love each other. But as soon as you, as Malcolm pointed out in the previous clip, as soon as you start talking about protecting yourself, and this is not exclusive to only so-called blacks, uh, quote-unquote blacks. This is any group. As soon as you start talking about defending yourself, then you're are a problem. Although, if uh, black people go with white people to the uh, state capital with guns, it's all white extremists, mm-hmm. just so you know. And we, <laughs> I saw some black faces there, but it was all white extremists. And you saw a lot, and that's really Hell what derailed yeah. that whole anti-gun, because it was like... We can't. We don't have a clean. We don't have a clean camera shot without having a black person in it. So, <laughs> hey, 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 move that guy over to the left a little bit. Yeah, can't, can't get can't get my shot. You're so right. And then you, if you do that, then you start uh, bringing these people that have similar ideologies together. Bad idea. So can't have people the, get getting together and having thoughts. That's why this podcast is so dangerous. Uh, <laughs> BPE, have, the ori- notorious BPE, Mo facts. <laughs> So um, let's continue to listen um, to Malcolm X a little bit more. Intelligently directed extremism. Extremism in defense of liberty. Extremism in quest of justice because I firmly believe in my heart that the day that the black man takes an uncompromising step and realizes that he's within his rights when his own freedom is being jeopardized, use any means necessary to bring about his freedom or put a halt to that injustice, I don't think he'll be by himself. I live in America where there are only 22 million blacks against probably 160 million whites. One of the reasons that I'm in no way reluctant or hesitant to do whatever is necessary to see that black people do something to protect themselves, I honestly believe that the day that they do, many whites will have more respect for them and that there'll be more whites on their side than are now on their side with these little wishy-washy love thy love thy enemy uh, approach that they've been using up to now. And if I'm wrong, then you are racialist. Man, he would have been great as a podcaster. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I can no, listen to voice, his voice, voice forever. Is... I can listen forever. It, it's such a great cadence. It's just a perfect tone to it. It would have been great. And that's why I love doing this show with you, because prior to you even hearing that clip, you pointed out Virginia. Yeah. And he, he followed up with that point that when... Black people start showing that we want to protect ourselves and exercise our rights given to by us by the first and second amendment will actually garner more support. That's right. That's right. That's right. And that's what that's the dangerous part. It's like, no, no, no. Uh can't have keep that. Them separated. Yeah. You know, gotta keep us separated. Um well that that was a little history on these kind of things being um been done been done all throughout history we saw the same thing with uh marcus garvey and 
uh, how Jagger Hoover had it up for him, and he was for the self defense. It's later it's, comes it's fascinating. It's, it's fascinating how we all fall for the same gambit every single time. Every single time, and it's like when when the media shows pictures of black men with guns in their hands, they can whip up uh, fear. Yeah, I'll say they can whip up fear, and then that in turns, you know, <laughs> demonizes and makes the uh, <laughs> makes them extremists. Now, um, this thing got it did get attention from the government. And one of the people it did get attention uh, from, and I got to give her props, was Representative Karen Bass. And just a little background on Miss Karen Bass. She is, um, she's a Democrat and also a member of the Black uh, National Black, Black Caucus. Caucus. The Black Caucus, yep. Uh, she represents Culver City uh, in, South, South, uh, in South Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And... Um, one interesting thing I saw about her is she was the acting chair of the subcommittee on crime, terrorism, and homeland security. Hmm. So I just found that interesting. But for uh, for this show, she's going to be uh, the BIA Bay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. So uh, that's, and she actually took on. She called. Um, she called a. Um, a form on highlighting uh, black identity extremism. Um, I don't believe black identity extremists exists. And um, I believe that the FBI should retract the document and should send out a document throughout law enforcement saying that black identity extremists do not exist. They, could, they gave no information to us as to how they came up with that category. And to me, what they really need to be concerned about is white identity extremists. But that seemed to mystify them. <laughs> Woo! Oh, there we go. <laughs> it's working. <laughs> it, it does, because if you highlight one group, then the other, that group is going to point out, or the represent, so-called representative of that group is going to point out, what about the other side? Of course. And they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Let's investigate everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's just called American extremists, identity extremists, whatever. It's horrible. Yes. And like I said, she did have this form and um she I have to give her credit cuz she did bring attention to how this thing was just thrown together, rolled out to law enforcement and it was like what are we supposed to do? Who are we looking for? I mean, usually when you have um you're doing some kind of investigation and you, you know, like what's the motive? What's the, who are the perps? You know, that kind of thing. It's like, nah, it's just a group. And anything time they say anything extreme, then we have the right to investigate. <laughs> but then we got them. <laughs> yeah. We got one. That's a, that's a very dangerous uh, premise. And the way this works is in my, my mind, a lot of these groups overlap. You have members that are members of two or more groups, so once you can start connecting that chain to, well, they're in organization A, B, C, and also, you know. Yeah, you can spider web it back. You can, F, yeah, yeah, you, exactly. you can spider web it and show this, this so-called huge organization, which may have some actual interlinking connections. But again, the original premise is just, you know, what's, ex- what's, ex- what's extremism and what's identity in this case? Right. And, and, and they just clearly identify themselves those two uh, terms for you. Yeah. Uh, but let's go back to some more highlights from the, um, the form. 
The point of the document is that it's saying that black identity extremists are organized to kill law enforcement officers. My concern about it is, especially since it was distributed to law enforcement around the country, is that I consider it a declaration of, of open season on young black activists that I have a particular concern about, especially people who are involved in the Black Lives Matter movement or any movement that's trying to hold police accountable. It reminded me of my days here in Los Angeles as a young activist protesting the LAPD and the level of repression that we went through. There was nobody we could talk to during those years. And so I feel a very personal responsibility to make sure that that a document is retracted. Now, so let me just understand a few things. First of all, do you know what the actual document is that's being referred to continuously here? Is it? Is it's it, a leak. It's a leaked. <laughs> and, we, we, okay. and this is a running theme in this uh, whole administration <laughs> and how the media has covered it. It's a leaked document. Okay. Have we actually ever seen the document? Does does it I exist? I have not seen the document. Uh, okay. I've looked for the document. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll say this. I saw copies, but I couldn't validate that was the official document. I'll say that because you've seen it posted online, but I'm not sure if that's and I didn't want to report it, you know, right. as facts if I can't validate it. Right. Which how do you validate a leaked document? Yeah, <laughs> you don't call it that's hey, FBI, do. is this your uh, document <laughs> I'm, I'm going to refer to? So and who was running the F- this, now? This is this is before Trump was elected when this was put into place, was it not? No, it was 2017 when it came out. Okay, but they were uh, referring back to things that happened. Well, no, no, the Dallas shooting was uh, was under Trump. <clears throat> no, that was under Obama. Was that under Obama? This was this was, and this is part of the, this is this is part of the story because it's like, why did these things start cropping up right at the end of of Obama's Obama's term. administration yeah. going into? Uh, the 2016 election. So I don't know if you if you have this covered. Was it James Comey still running the FBI at that point? It must have been. Yes, it had to be because I mean, he, 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 he carried he was, over. He, he carried yes. over. Wow, so this falls wow, back wow. in the Comey's lap. Wow. This is something that is underreported. I'm sure it is. <laughs> Even more reason why the left, uh, the more liberal side of media had, had no <laughs> reason to, to I mean, to this, pick up this is like stopping fricks on, on steroids. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Uh, but let's let uh, Karen Bass finish up with her form. The numbers suggest that 83% of the shots fired incidents we've had since 2009 are right-wing extremists. And so, again, as, as, we, as I'm challenging the report here and trying to be fair, I'm just trying to understand where this data came from and how they put it together. Right. Exactly. And they can't answer that. How could you distribute a document to law enforcement agencies around the country? Exactly. What is that category based on? When it comes to terrorism, it seems like it's only called terrorism if you're a person of color, especially if you're Muslim. <laughs> See, my love for her was short-lived. Yeah, ended. <laughs> ended right there. Oh. Yeah, that's what she broke my heart. Why did you have to do that? Uh, Doing so well. We're talking about BIE, and as I always say, they use us to open the door, mm-hmm. and then we're, help, mm-hmm. we're left holding the door. And this is a classic example. Yeah. We, the conversation started around BIE, and now it pivots back to Muslims, Muslims people yeah. of color, yeah. a.k.a. colored people. <laughs> hey, thanks. Thanks for holding the door open, y'all. 
All y'all welcome. I mean, we're just here. Good work. Well, good on Karen, man. Uh, Karen Bass. I, I got to give her props. Yeah, I mean, I called that out. We had went good work. And so I have some clips from the actual form. That was the highlights. Uh, it was a four minute video highlighting you know, the, the things that were discussed in the form. But I have some clips from her talking to uh, Mr. Jeff Sessions. Oh. And uh, and this is uh, the clip. Uh, if Bass, Bass, if there is FBI report on black identity extremists. OK, so uh, you're not you haven't necessarily read the report, but you are familiar with the term black identity extremists. Well, I think so. Yes. So can you tell me what that term means to you? Do you believe that there is a movement of African-Americans that identify themselves as black identity extremists? And what does that movement do? Well, it'd be interesting to see the conclusions of that report, but I'm aware uh, that there are groups that uh, do have an extraordinary commitment to their um, racial identity, and some have transformed themselves even into violent activists. And that was Sessions? Yeah, that's Sessions. Right, so Sessions, Attorney Attorney General who came in after uh, Loretta Lynch when Trump the Trump administration started. Correct. Right. Okay. And it's in the way they frame this term is this is from Trump's FBI. Oh, it's like, no, this is Comey's FBI. <laughs> yeah, this Comey's is not FBI. Trump's FBI. Right. <laughs> of course. But they shaped, they shaped it very well to, you know, exclude anybody that they're friendly to. Well, hello. Uh, <laughs> so um, let's just let her, let's finish up her talking with Sessions. Could you name an African-American organization that have committed violent acts against police officers? Could you name one today? In this report, they name organizations from 30, 40 years ago. But can you name of one today that has targeted uh, police officers in a violent manner? Wu-Tang Clan? I believe I could, but I would want to be uh, to confirm uh, that and submit it to you in writing. But I believe we had within the last year or so four police officers killed by a group that some have described as uh, uh, extremists. So what has happened is, is that there have been a couple of incidents in which African-Americans did kill police officers who were not associated with a black organization. And so one, for example, in Baton Rouge was associated with sovereign citizens, which is primarily a white group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so you even heard Jeff Sessions say there, oh, we had a couple of uh, events yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk off these two events, they created a whole identity. Not even uh, he 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 said that he only mentioned one, didn't he? Like the yeah, four actually, in Louisiana. I mean, yeah, the, or, Dallas. Uh, I think in Dallas. In da- I think he was when he said four. I think he was referring oh, to was Dallas. It? I thought I Dallas think there was, was five. five. Yeah. Okay. I thought there were five. Yeah. And but it threw a three in uh <laughs> three in Baton Rouge. Maybe he just rounded. It, it was like okay, average of four. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how he got to the four number, but yeah, uh, he couldn't even name a group. If you have a if you have a real threat, you can say, okay, just say, for instance, um, uh, radical Islamic terrorism. You can say you have uh, uh, the Taliban and you have Al-Qaeda. You know, you can go down the list. Right. Uh, but now he couldn't even give one. He's like, can submit it in writing, which has me. I have to have somebody go look up one. Well, <laughs> and what was this? Was this a, a congressional hearing? Yes. Okay. So he was probably caught off guard by this. 
Yeah, because he didn't even he didn't even know. I don't think he's he, in the previous what I, what I yeah, didn't clip. Sounded he like, said he, sounded he, like he, he didn't he know. Didn't, he didn't know of the report. Oh, okay, okay. Which I find strange as well. Uh, but the optics is there. You have Jeff Sessions, who's if you had to cast a racist in a movie, I'm just saying. I'm not saying he is racist or not is or isn't racist, but he fits that casting and what we always talk about on the show of oh totally totally you have the southern accent older white man and he's like oh yeah no he he has kind of the physique of a garden gnome you know all the things that you just like you're like oh i can i can hate that guy that's easy to do yep so here here we are and before we actually get into those events that he alluded to i wanted to give a little clip of we know we've heard we saw the videos with Black Lives Matter calling cops pigs and yes, uh, was it bake, bacon something let them fry or yeah yeah I mean yeah. we saw here piggy we piggy, saw piggy let them fry yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I want to make w- one point before we play the next clip one I think a lot of this racial identity um, protesting is a form of cosplay that's my personal opinion yeah I see that. Uh, it's the same with Antifa. I find that that's also a lot of cosplay. So the what happens is you have these organizations like Black Lives Matter, because I'm not letting them off the hook in any form or fashion because I know who they represent. Uh, they go out, they get people in the streets, and then they have their agitators come out while in the group, throw a rock, throw a bottle, yep. whatever else, and then it causes group... Um, uh, herd mentality and just like all hell breaks loose. Yeah. So I'm not taking them a off Jean, the hook. A Jean provocateur. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I will say is there was also very nasty and vicious language specifically for Fox. I mean, I, I'm not beating up on Fox <laughs> here, here it but is. I'm just here it is. Know. Yeah. But what they would bring on these black law enforcement officers and they would use some of the most. Well, just get into the next clip. <laughs> Sheriff, your reaction to some of the some of the sentiment you heard on the streets on Saturday? Well, it's just crazy talk. That's ignorance in its purest form. You know, I think we need to rethink the strategy. I don't know why the police even bother policing those uh, demonstrations. They're not protests. Those people advocate for the overthrow of our legally constituted government. What the I would president do says they have a point, let them fend for them. Let them, fend, let them fend for themselves. Let the good law-abiding people of New York clash with them for disrupting their lives, disrupting their businesses. Then the police can show up and arrest these subhuman creeps for creating a disturbance. That we can do. Now, which sheriff was this? That's Sheriff Clark. Who is Clark. Who, who is black? Yes. Oh, and he's a butter biscuit badge carrying <laughs> eater. Hat wearing. You forgot hat wearing. Yeah, hat wearing. Yes. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is to come when you talk about groups, you have to use nuance. And I try to do that on the show not to prank with a wire brush any group. Because as I've explained before, you have a lot of good people on both sides. Yeah, fine people, yeah. I think the term is. Um, fine oh, people. Excuse me, five people, yeah. five people on both sides. Yeah. Because a lot of people are frustrated and they just won't go out in the street and let out their frustrations. And, and it may be cosplay, but it's, a, it's therapeutic. Sure. Uh, those people are not violent. 
they just want to have they feel like they have impact they have an impact on something so they go out with their signs and a lot of the i would say 90 percent of the people out there are just want to exercise their first amendment amendment rights but for a guy like this to call them subhuman and then later on call them garbage yeah well like he said all of, i mean he was talking about all of them not just the he didn't uh uh you know specifically well, say the agitators or the violent people or those allow me to give you a perspective from Mm-hmm. from from my point of view um, okay until we started this show i would have always thought of sheriff david clark as oh man there's a cool guy you know he's not taking any crap he uh he seems pretty down to earth but the more i start to learn and as you said the butter biscuits mm-hmm. um he's taking license he's actually abusing his own uh skin color to give himself license to use these terms, which I find by in itself offensive. And, and, and what, and what even more rose me the wrong way is if he was talking about the Bundy ranch or the standoff, you know, with, um, white right wing groups, he wouldn't use the term subhuman. I mean, that in itself Probably has connotations not, no. of <laughs> subhuman that feeds into the Hitler and black the Jews. people, not, exactly goes back to that yeah. i'm i'm glad you said that so when you use that term it's like you're you're bordering line <laughs> on being a white supremacist yourself this, I'm, the I'm, sound you just made said it all <laughs> <laughs> yeah it it, it it irks me because we can i come here and i point out flaws on both sides we can do that but don't 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 denigrate people especially people that are trying to uh just voice their their first uh first right first amendment rights uh all right so now th- one question based upon mm-hmm. what he said do you think it's possible he was referring purely to the agent provocateurs who show up within the group and and calling them out as subhuman or did it really come across to you as he's calling the whole everybody subhuman to to, to be fair because i i i'm said a lot about him can we listen to the last maybe 20 seconds of that clip so we can hear exactly how he framed that yeah let's do that because i th- i thought he gave himself some leeway possibly hold on it says they have a let point them fend for them let them fend, let them fend for themselves let the good law-abiding people of new york clash with them for disrupting their lives disrupting their businesses then the police can show up and arrest these subhuman creeps for creating a disturbance that we can do yeah, let, me go, let me go back just one a little bit further hold on okay well, it's just crazy talk. That's ignorance in its purest form. You know, I think we need to rethink the strategy. I don't know why the police even bother policing those uh, demonstrations. They're not protests. Those people advocate for the overthrow of our legally constituted. Okay, so he's grouping them all together there. All right. That's <laughs> yeah, pretty clear. I, I, I'm glad we pretty did clear. that. Yeah. I'm glad we did that just to be clear. And that's how I took it. But I was want to make sure that. I yeah. wasn't uh No, no, you triggered. got it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got it. <clears throat> All right, so now we have the set, the stage is set. Uh we're trying to figure out how we got to BIE. Uh we've heard kind of the tone on the right-hand side. We clearly know what the tone on the on the pro Black Lives Matter, pro anti-police side is cuz it was highly um uh spread out and 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 you know, discussed and and reported yeah, and on. discussed correct 
So let's just get into what happened uh, in Dallas. We begin with breaking news in Dallas, Texas, where at least five police officers were killed when they were ambushed by at least two snipers. The shooting began near the end of a protest over the fatal police shootings of black men in Louisiana and Minnesota. Six other officers and a civilian were injured. Police are questioning at least three alleged suspects. And Manuel Bajorquez is in downtown Dallas. Manuel, what is the latest? Well, Anne-Marie, some breaking news now. We're learning that the fourth suspect, a man who was holed up inside a parking garage not too far from where we are, has now died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. He had apparently been exchanging gunfire with officers, but we're learning that he has now died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. As you mentioned, the gunfire erupted in downtown Dallas with no warning, turning this place into a war zone and still very much resembling one right now. Officials saying the intent of the shooters was to kill as many officers as possible. Yeah, didn't they go in with some like a robot that went around the corner and shot him or something? Curry, no, easy, I'm Curry. Sorry. Easy. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, guy. Let me just put him on. Hold on a second, I got him right here. Yeah. Okay, let's stick with the news narrative as it's reported. <laughs> sorry. So we have two shooters. Yeah. <laughs> And the uh, sh- one of the shooters killed himself with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. That's yes. what we have right now. That's what we got now. Yes. Okay. So let's get into the next clip. Police say this was a coordinated attack. At least two snipers from elevated positions as the protest rally march ended. Uh, began firing upon our officers, ambush style. As the gunfire rang out, police used their patrol cars for cover as they moved in to help wounded officers. We believe that uh, these suspects were uh, positioning themselves in a way to triangulate on these officers from two different perches uh, in garages in the downtown area and planned uh, to injure and kill as many law enforcement officers as they could. I never really heard this part of the story. <laughs> I only, I, I, maybe I came in late or something, and I only heard the uh-huh. resolutions of it. Interesting. This is July eighth, two thousand sixteen, and the shooting happened on July seventh. So this is right, right after the shooting. Right. We have multiple shooters triangulating, which I don't know how you triangulate with two shooters, but. Oh. <laughs> hey man it's, it's the it just, news it just sounds like a cool term to throw out yeah. there like oh yeah they're triangulating oh, yeah. Um, beep, beep, beep. but we have multiple shooters and we have one of the shooters killing themselves with this and this is from the sheriff that was the sheriff talking hmm. that wasn't um that what I mean excuse me i think police chief police chief me. yeah uh but that yeah that was um that wasn't like uh some uh conspiracy theory website He's also the police the chief of dallas who i think also is black yes he is yeah uh, but yeah, we have multiple shooters, one killing himself with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. And that counters the narrative that you heard, which you may have heard in this next clip. And this morning we are getting new video and new eyewitness accounts of the fear as well as the heroism during the shooting in Dallas. We have team coverage this morning and we do begin with ABC's Matt Gutman right there on the ground in downtown Dallas. Good morning, Matt. 
Good morning, Paul. And that fear and heroism you mentioned was intensified by the fact that city officials thought they were under siege by an unknown number of gunmen that night. Now that they know it was a lone gunman, officials are focusing on investigating yeah. how he did this and patching Dallas back together. Oh, it's a sniper from up here somewhere. It's a sniper? This morning, as agents combed the streets for evidence, they're learning more about the gunman. There was confusion with everybody running around. But this was a mobile shooter. Who police say began blasting away shortly after this peaceful demonstration in Dallas on Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> I do. The long yeah. shooter. Yeah. All, I, it's crazy, Mo. I, I, I remember there was a lot of confusion, but I never heard the sheriff say so clearly. Multiple. I thought it was like one of those fog of war, maybe the first 30 minutes or so they thought that. Uh, but mm-hmm. the, that was the day after, and this is two days after. And all, all, all of a sudden, everyone, everyone got their story straight. <clears throat> okay, here we go. Here's yeah. what it is, boys. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's one shooter, you know, a lone, lone, and they used the term lone, lone wolf. Matter, lone shooter, <laughs> lone shooter. They didn't say it was a sing- they didn't say it was a single shooter. It's the lone shooter. Yeah. Uh, what about the other people they were questioning? They said they were questioning three other suspects. What What happened with that? And the reason why I'm saying this is. I want you to put on your black conspiracy theory hat <laughs> and you hear like, because when these things happen, people follow them closely. Oh, it's multiple shooters. Right? Yo, what's going on? And right. then you come back and just change the whole narrative. That <laughs> yeah, was a long shooter. <laughs> long shooter. Nothing to see yeah. here. Yeah. 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 That, that smacks of uh, J. Edgar Hoover. That, I mean, not J. Edgar Hoover. Excuse me. Um, uh, James Earl Ray. That smacks of um, the JFK assassin. You know, it's like it always goes back to this just one. It's it's all well, especially up. the connotation of Dallas. Yeah, I that 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 was missed on me. Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> yeah. um, so we have uh, now we're down to one shooter. No mention of the other three suspects. Uh, and the uh, curious question of how he was killed. Dallas PD shutting down the airspace over town, thinking this was an ambush with multiple shooters. Somebody's really armed to the teeth. This is not one person. But it was one shooter, Micah Xavier Johnson. Mr. Johnson had uh, written manifestos on how to shoot and move. You see him in this video advancing with deadly efficiency on this officer. Firing, the officer gunned down. The toll, 14 shot, 12 of them officers, five of the officers died. Towards midnight, SWAT teams finally cornered Johnson on the second floor of El Centro College. The suspect stated he wanted to kill white people, especially white officers. Negotiations break down, and police use an explosive mounted on a robot similar to this one to kill Johnson for the first time in history. Yeah, I remember. Now, that was that's the part that I focused on. When I heard that, I'm mm-hmm. like, what? And let's, by let's, the way, weren't there two of the five cops killed? Weren't they black? I'm not sure. I, I think you. I'm think just going was, by uh, memory. I'm just going by memory. Yeah, I think that was uh, in. I think the black cops were killed in Baton Rouge, but maybe I, I'm not for sure. But I want to that last clip. I want to pick it apart piece by piece. Okay. First of all, you have a shooter. Uh. He hit 14 people, 12 of them being cops. That means he had to be a crack shot. All those people running around and that all that melee and chaos, and you, you can hit 
That's just just how I perceived it. Mm-hmm. Two, the man's name is Micah Xavier Johnson, right? Yeah. If you shorten that up, you got Micah X. <laughs> nice. That's like code. Right. Code. No, I'm just saying. Well, that's what registered with me because when you high, when you uh, abbreviate the yeah. middle name, Micah X. Yeah. You got Micah X. Good one. <laughs> Which that's great. Is, I mean, it, it lends it to itself. And then you have this. One day ago, you said he killed himself with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. How'd you get that wrong? I don't understand how that one piece. Well, I mean, I'm not surprised that the media gets it wrong. The question is, where did they get their report from? Was it from the from the official police? uh, And in the previous clips, they had the briefing of the police officer speaking. So it's like you can ask him the question. How did he uh, how did he die? Smells like a cover up. They use one pound of C4 on a robot. Oh, yeah. A pound to blow this man up. A pound. Make sure he wasn't recognizable. That's for sure. It's just strange. It's yeah. hella strange. It's like you see four first time in history. Yeah. They a, said in the clip. Robot. This, <laughs> on a robot. <laughs> After the communication break, you have him cornered because, I mean, um, they had him cornered. I mean, he couldn't get out. Uh, After an hour, you just say, okay, um, yeah, send in the robot. What? Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. And I don't, but, I don't, I've never heard of the, the robot being used since, actually. You, I have not either. Mm-hmm. We've had many a standoffs with shooters. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, for, for day, I mean, we had some that last for days, even, and they don't send the robot in. Uh, but as this case starts to unravel, we get even more uh, details about the gunman. Freelance reporter Steve Futterman is in Dallas, and he joins me now live. So, Steve, what do we know about the suspect that was killed? Well, his name is Micah Johnson, 25 years old, from the Dallas area. In fact, he celebrated his 25th birthday this past weekend. We have now learned a bit more about him. He was in the Army for a number of years, apparently spent some time either in Afghanistan or Iraq. But the very interesting thing we've learned in the past hour from from law enforcement sources is what he was armed with. He had an assault rifle, a semi-automatic assault rifle. He had a handgun and apparently was dressed in body. The armor, which makes everyone believe he knew exactly what he was going to do when he came to the protests last night. Yeah, it's kind of distressing to hear all this again. So, for the listeners out there, I told you, remember the military connection? Yes. Now we have the, um, I think Rakim was the uh, other guy's name. The, yep. the advice he was story was Marine. on. Yep. They, they put it out there. Oh, he's military. Former military. Former military. <laughs> now we have Micah X Johnson, former military. It's, you know, again, if we were in the meeting, and be like, mm-hmm. hey, man, let's come up with a cool name for this cat. All right. Something like Malcolm X. All right. Micah X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we got to make sure everyone knows he's really black. Johnson. All right. That's it, man. Perfect. We're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> It writes itself. It does. It really does. So it's like, okay, now we have this guy. He's moving around, biting armor, assault rifle, two pistols. Uh, he's making these um, difficult shots. Cops are taking triangulation. You know, um, yeah, triangulation. <laughs> oh, I meant, uh, one thing I meant, m- missed that the cop said in a previous clip, his manifesto. 
No, I mean they're throwing all. They're throwing did he, all did he the ever? Cards. Did he ever publish one? Did he ever publish a manifesto? Well, his manifesto was more of his uh, tactical how he was going to do it. Mm. But they they just relabeled it as a manifesto. Manifest- well, of course, that's what you do. That's what you do. And it's just all too convenient, and like I'm thinking, and this is 2017, so I'm seeing this thing with the NA mind, and it's like, hey, what what is going on here? I mean, yeah. <laughs> like. Uh, who is this guy? Yeah, uh, um, his manifesto was a very angry rant against white people. That's it. Mm-hmm. So we have, um, and uh, uh, there was one drop by that last supporter, I mean, last reporter. Uh, he didn't use the term Micah X Johnson. No, and, just um, we, Micah we, Johnson. He, get on code. Get on, uh, get <laughs> really? on code. Uh, really? <laughs> you have to put the X in there. Otherwise, no, people might think you're not a part of it. Right. Which could have so, been true for that guy. Yeah, and, and, and like I said, that ex, the, well, we all we know all the shooters always get three, three names, names, which I don't always. know who came up with that anyway. But always this uh, this third name just, re, just fit perfectly. Yeah, and so now we have a shooter uh, that's blown up with one pound of C four at the hour uh, standoff. Yes, and he's former military. Yep, and now he's we got to uh, connect him. We got to connect him, Mo. Well, let's go ahead and connect him then, Adam. We're getting a closer look at his motive and what investigators found inside his home. Authorities say this is the deadly sniper, Micah Xavier Johnson, a former military man who went hunting for police, specifically white officers. There appears to have been one gunman with no known links to or inspiration from any international terrorist organization. Law enforcement sources tell ABC News Johnson was armed for his shooting spree with an assault rifle and two handguns. It's been a tale of cowardice by an assassin. Johnson served in the Army Reserve from 2009 until 2015, doing a tour in Afghanistan. According to police, his Facebook page reveals some of that rage against police. He liked a page which said, quote, kill everything blue that moved. Overnight, police searched Johnson's home in Mesquite, Texas. Police say they found bomb-making materials, ballistic vests, rifles, ammunition, and a personal journal of combat tactics. This was a well-planned, well-thought-out evil tragedy. Micah Johnson's sister took to Facebook writing, quote, the news will say what they think, but those who knew him know this wasn't like him. I see the manifesto is now turned into a notebook. Yeah. That's interesting. (laughs) They've screwed up on that report. And that's the connectivity that we're talking about. So now you have this guy that went and done this violent act uh, independently, if you want to believe the uh, the media narrative, but the fact that he liked somebody on Facebook, yeah, oh, that just proves it. Let's start. Let's start digging into who he likes on <laughs> you know uh, on on social media, and that's now we can br- roll out this term, uh, bie, and by guilty by association, those people are put on a list. Yes. You see, see, and then whoever follows who they follow. They all become BIE. Yes. Yeah, of course that's how it works. Yeah. Well, especially for the FBI, clearly creating work for themselves. Mm Mm-hmm. And and like I said, and long as you have the, and we saw this with the war on drugs and everything. It's just like, you need just the, you need bodies to put in front of the camera to say you're doing your job and nothing really gets fixed. Uh, But we've seen, we've seen this all before. 
Uh, but there was one interesting fact uh, that it was not reported as much as you think it would, but the shooter left behind a message. I think that this killer obviously had uh, some delusion. Uh, there was quite a bit of rambling in the journal uh, that, that's hard to decipher. I can just add, at the scene where he was killed, there was some, also he wrote some lettering in blood on the walls, uh, which leads us to believe he was wounded on the way up the stairwell on the second floor of the El Centro building and uh, where we detonated the device to, to end the standoff, there, there was more lettering written in his own blood. What did he write? We are, we, we are trying to de- decipher that, uh, but he wrote the letters RB. RB. And we don't, RB, yes. So we're trying to figure out through uh, looking at things in his home what those initials uh, mean, uh, but we haven't determined that yet. Yes, I remember that. Um, hmm. RB. RB. Was that the only thing I thought there was more that he had written? And that was that was all that they reported that he writ, wrote in blood in two separate places. RB. Uh, so I started doing the digging. Like, what what does RB mean? I I, I can't you know not know what this means. Uh, so they had some theories. One of the less uh, agreed upon theories is he wrote RB for robot bomb. Yes. Uh, yeah, I remember that one. Yep. Which is fair. I mean, that's fair. But the most widely reported by USA Today, Heavy, uh, Daily Mail, and other groups is it stood for RBG, ah. also known as Red, Black, and Green. He just didn't. He didn't finish the G because then he got blowed up. And in two places. <laughs> How do you make that stretch? It's like RB. Oh, I don't have time to write the G. And then you run somewhere else and you write it again. <laughs> RB. But these news agencies wrote. Oh yeah, it stood for our, our red, black, black, and green, which is the pan African pan Africanist colors. So now, if you have any association to red, black, black, and green, hello Jamaica. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you see what I'm saying. So yeah. any, you know, on your website, if you have red, black, and green, or anything uh, with those colors, now you get lumped into the group. This is all too convenient. Wow. And to re- and like I said, these these are heavy hitting uh, news agencies that, re- that reported this almost as fact, which it didn't make any sense. He would at least would have finished one of them as, as RBBG if that's what he meant. Yeah. But he just put RB in two separate places. And and that's and it kind of, as you know, with any uh, uh, narrative that they roll out, it just sticks. Oh, of course. And, that, and that's what it was left. It was, it was red, black, and green. Jeez. So that wraps up uh, the, Dallas, the shooting. Dallas shooting. And right uh, 10 days later, we have this event. We want to get to the tragedy in Baton Rouge. Three police officers killed in a deadly assault, three more injured after a gunman attacked them at a busy intersection. Terrified witnesses hiding in the car, capturing the ambush on cell phone video before the shooter was taken down. Amy Robach on the scene for us there in Louisiana with the latest. Good morning, Amy. 
Just right. Good morning, Robin. And the headline of the advocate here in Baton Rouge says it all senseless. The carnage began here behind me after police officers responded to a 911 call about a suspicious looking man carrying guns. When those Baton Rouge officers arrived, they were targeted, shot, and three of them killed. At 8.44, the first shots rang out. Shot fired, officer down, shot fired, officer down. Just two moments earlier, Baton Rouge police scrambled to this busy intersection after receiving a 911 call about a man dressed all in black, armed with a rifle and a semi-automatic pistol. When officers arrived, the suspect, 29-year-old former Marine, Gavin Long, began to fire. Another Marine. Go figure. <laughs> armed in the same fashion. Yep. As as Micah X Johnson, assault rifle and a handgun. Yeah. 10 days later. And he drove all the way, I think, from St. Louis to Baton Rouge. He wasn't even originally from Baton Rouge. Right. But Baton he, he Rouge drove, was a hotbed because yeah. of the uh, Alton Sterling shooting. Yeah. It's, 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 str- it's, str- it's strange, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, no, it is, and and I'm, I mean, I was focused on other things. I remember I was, you know, it's like the it, it, so much was exploding around this. It was, and we were just it, figuring it, it, out the, but you know, and it, we really only figured out in with the Louisiana stuff that you know, Black Lives Matter was a Soros uh, outfit, and you know, the uh, I mean, right down to the founder of uh, BLM living in a Soros house. You know, so that's mm-hmm. the stuff I was looking at then. Didn't even look at this. It's very interesting. Why I like it. So we have two people within ten. And you think throughout American history, <laughs> we haven't had that many uh, black militant, black radical shootings of cops. Well, there I mean, hadn't been that scale. many cops killed since nine eleven. It was a humongous number. You know, it was five, eight. It was a big number. And then within two days, I mean, ten. Excuse me, ten days. You have two shooters armed in the same fashion, doing highly tactical shootings of police officers with similar backgrounds. And they're long, with similar backgrounds. Mm. Ex-military, they armed the same fashion, and they have this uh, quote unquote pro-black ideology. <laughs> Now, um, let me guess. Was this, uh, what was his name? Uh, Gavin Long? Gavin Long. Did, did he like some bad groups on Facebook? I'm just guessing. Uh, we're we're going to get there, but let's get into his ex-Marine background. The suspect who fatally shot three officers in Baton Rouge on Sunday before being killed by police has been identified as a former Marine sergeant. Gavin Long, a 29-year-old African-American man, was, according to a person briefed on the investigation, from Kansas City and affiliated with an anti-government group. This image was published on a Twitter account linked to a website called convoswithcosmo.club, a site registered by a person identified as Gavin Long from Kansas City. In a tweet posted on Sunday, it reads, Just because you wake up every morning doesn't mean that you're living. And just because you shed your physical body doesn't mean that you're dead. Sunday shootings happened at a shopping centre not far from the Baton Rouge Police Headquarters. Apparently officers saw a man carrying a rifle and dressed all in black standing behind a beauty supply store. We do not have a pointy on the shooter. He is not in sight. 
Possibly sniper. Police now believe the gunman lured the officers there to ambush them. Sunday's shooting comes just two weeks after police in Baton Rouge shot and killed black man Alton Sterling, an incident that led to protests in the city. It also follows another police shooting in Dallas last week, where five officers were killed and nearly a dozen injured. Yeah, I remember it was like an ambush situation. It's coming back to me now. And that's the term that was used in both cases, ambush. Ambush, yeah. Uh, and they say he was linked to a anti-government group, I think is the term they use. But yes. they didn't specify that was a majority white, um, quote-unquote, anti-government group, because that's <laughs> the one that um, uh, Karen Bass referred to in her clip. <laughs> but they just left it as this anti- And if you just do the, the mental jump, oh, it had to be a black group he was associated with. Well, you know, of we course. have this. Of course, we're trained to think this now. Yeah. <laughs> and you asked the previous question, his connection to, uh, I mean, with, um, his activity online. Yeah. Was he liking anything anything bad on Facebook? Well, he left an uh, online trail. Let's oh. see what <laughs> trail. We're going to get more on the gunman now. A military veteran who posted threatening videos may have had ties to militant groups. ABC's chief investigative correspondent, Brian Ross, has the latest. Convos with Cosmo. That, that's me. Using the pseudonym Cosmo, the shooter, Gavin Eugene Long, posted this video online the day after the five police officers in Dallas were shot and killed. It's a time for peace, but it's a time for war. And most of the times when you want peace, you got to go to war. Overnight, police and the FBI were at the home of Long in Kansas City, Missouri, where neighbors described him as a quiet man, divorced with children. Government documents showed Long was a military veteran who served five years in the Marines, including tours in Japan and Iraq. And police say the Sunday morning ambush showed signs of being well-planned. Wow. That's... When you put it all together like that, it's very interesting, Mo. (laughs) Very, very interesting. I like that a lot. That's good. And I have a theory. All right. I have a theory... But first, we have to I, I thank people. Like new money. I don't know if you do, but I, I hate old money that's wrinkled and dirty and got all the diseases on it. <laughs> I like new money. And when I give um, when I give things to people, I like to give stacks of money. It's fun. You ever had a stack of new money? <laughs> have you? <laughs> you have it? Have you? A little stack. A little. Oh. <laughs> And so I, I, I made, you know, the big stack where it was brand new. And I like brand new money. I just, I don't want any money around me. It's not, I'd almost rather have a, a new one than a brand, than an old 20. Now, that's kind of dumb, isn't it? But there's something about new money that excites you. You like $100 bills? Oh, yeah. I like oh. new money, too. Oh. <laughs> Most beautiful thing on earth is a $100 bill. I hadn't seen a woman as good looking as a $100 bill. There's something about a $100 bill that excites you. Yeah, we can dream, can't we? It's uh, time to thank a couple people for supporting the show. Our producers, uh, if you're listening right now, we already consider you a producer. Uh, See how you are helping people find the show by what you're spreading and and, uh, sharing on social media. Um, See how you're giving us ideas, feedback. A lot of show ideas come uh, Mm from also noagendasocial.com. See a lot of people uh, really into the show there. And, of course, on the YouTubes. Uh, where we repost every single show on uh, on Mo's channel. And we operate under the value-for-value value system. It's very simple. 
because because of what you're hearing, this obviously would not work with any commercial or corporate uh, funding of the program because there are too many agendas at play. Uh, and this is why it's never discussed. I don't think this. It, we're very unique in our mix of uh, of presentation and content. So we ask: Is it a value to you? And whatever it's worth to you, send us that amount to MoFax. Actually, you can go directly to our uh, our page at MoFundMe dot com, MoFundMe dot com, or just go to MoFax dot com, and uh, you can uh, get all kinds of uh, groovy information. As an aside, we also have an archive page. It's one of the things our producers have been asking for. So archive dot dot com, where you can get all the shows. That's being built out now. We got uh, this year up, and the, the previous shows will all be done uh, by uh, the end of the weekend. And we'd like to start by thanking people who supported the show for this week for this episode. And we kick it off with our executive producer, uh, top donor, Blathercast, $125.93. Very nice donation. Exactly. Blathercast says, thanks for the lessons. This will be my yearly contribution, $5 per week in a lump sum. I like that. I appreciate you doing that. Keep up the great work in educating us on the real white supremacy, or as, as it's pronounced, supremacy. Out of curiosity... Are you a fan, or have you listened to Backwards? Uh, Mo, I'm not familiar with this, Backwards. I have not, but I'm, I plan to check it out. It's my, on my checkout list. Backwards with a Z. Uh, mm-hmm. I've not heard of this. Blathercast, thank you, and appreciate that. We, you know, So $5 per episode, that's your value, and you put it all up front. That's very motivational. Thank you. It's appreciated. Our associate executive producer for this episode, episode number 31, by the way, is Drew McArdle. $100 from Drew. Mo Karma, Mo Karma, Mo Karma in the morning, gentlemen. Love you both. No Rona. <laughs> Looking forward to next week's show. Keep it up, fellas. Love and light. Drew McArd- McArdle. Thank you very much, Drew. And you're our associate executive producer. That'll be in the show notes, on the credits, uh, also in uh, the uh, in the MP3 itself. And thank you again for supporting us. Uh, old favorite, Tanya Wey- uh, Wyman from New York. Dame Tanya, as we know her, $87.68. Hey, gentlemen. You notice how people call us gentlemen? I appreciate that. Yeah, that, I, maybe it's because we, we come across as such. Hi, gentlemen. The episodes have just been getting better and better, and the last two have spurred me to finally donate. I'm giving $87.68, which is the date that Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud by James Brown was recorded, August 7th, 1968. Can this be the invited to the cookout <laughs> donation level? I think we should do it. As of now, we'll call that the the invited to the cookout donation level. Will you will you write this down, Mo, so we can remember this? Yes, I will. Eight seven seven. What was that number? Eighty seven sixty eight. Eighty seven sixty eight. You're at the cookout. <laughs> Thank you, Dame Tanya. <laughs> Eric Hokel from I believe Munich in Deutschland. Fifty two dollars. Thank you, Eric. Ryan McConnell. Thank you for your courage and passion. He says, keep up the great work. This is a $50 donation plus the cost of freedom, a buck oh five. Oh, that's Billy Bones. Yeah, I know Billy Bones. Thank you, uh, Billy Bones. Timothy Cato, $50 from him. Keep on keeping on. Appreciate your work. Thank you, Timothy. Judy Schwartz, $50 from Judy. Thank you for your time and research. I hope both of your families are well. Yes, they are both well. Thank you, Judy. William Cameron, 3333, the magic numbers. What you're doing is important, he says. William, thank you. Mohammed Ahmed. In the morning, uh, oh, this, I know, this uh, Sir Dude Named Muhammad of the Two Seas. Great show, guys. May not be very relevant information from someone like me who lives in sandy areas, but it's quite an eye-opener. Thank you very much for your courage, and thank you for yours, Dude Named Muhammad. 
John Taylor, uh, $25 from John Taylor. He says, see note on Twitter. Did you pick that up? Did you pick up a note from John Taylor on Twitter, Mo? Uh, I'll look, but I didn't see it. Hmm. We'll have to make good on it. Uh, yeah, John, send it. Just email so, us. Let sorry us know. about that. No, no problem. Also, $25 from Srinvas Murti. Uh, Mo Power to your po- podcast, he says. Learned so many things that I had no idea about. Please keep it up, Mo and Adam. Well, you and me both, Shamir. Srinivas. Srinivas, there you go. I, I've learned quite a bit in the past six, seven months myself. $25 also from uh, Connor Lawrence, who says, keep fighting the good fight, you two. Hope you two are keeping healthy. We are. Thank you for the best wishes. Christopher Trop, $15. Sir James, donating to your show, by far one of the best and most informative podcasts out there. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It's very kind of you. Eleven eleven from John Alex. Thank you, John. Sir Donald Winkler. He says he's been back listening from episode one, which, yeah, I, I recommend that in this case. In fact, you could probably um, put this on CDs in a handsome leather-bound uh, wallet and uh, sell it as educational material. Uh, back listening from episode one. So thankful for all of what I learned, thanks to your research. And you and Adam are such a great match. Keep it coming, please, Sir Donald Winkler. He's a baron of the No Agenda show. Thank you, Sir Donald. $10 from Elvis the Chef Rosenberg. Elvis, no stranger to us. Respect for what you do, he says. Shazir, $10, says, listening to Rona uh, at the 139 time mark. Great show. I'm not quite sure what he means by that. Are the, hmm. I'm not sure what he means. That's code. Code I can't figure out. Uh, then we have uh, another donation from the chef, Chef Rosenberg. Uh, so $20 from him in total uh, this week. Thank you. And he, yes, he does the old uh, Rona Babona, the Fana Fana Bona, the five, 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 five. I can't do it. Can you do it? No. Ernest Benoit, 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 I think it is, uh, B-E-N-O-I-T, $10 from him. Thank you for the always informative and entertaining show, Sir Ernesto. Value for value, says Paul Hooper with $10. Outstanding work, gentlemen, is what we get from uh, William Hawthorne with a $5 donation and $4 in support from Terry Keller rounds out the bunch. Thank you to all of these producers who are supporting the show, episode number 31 of MoFax with Adam Curry. And again, we'll have Blathercast. In the credits as our uh, executive producer for this episode and Drew McArdle as our associate executive producer. Thank you all so much. And remember, uh, it is value for value. All you have to do is go to mofax.com or mofundme, M-O-E fundme.com. That'll take you directly to the donation page and uh, support us for our next show. So before we went to the donation segment, I said I have a theory. Yes. Manchurian candidate. (laughs) How much do you actually know about your friend? I served under him. He was a good man. That's what the neighbors always say about serial killers. Somebody put an implant inside me. I got a good feeling they put one in you, too. You need to get help, Ben. I'm not crazy, Shaw. Raymond, this is J.B. Johnston of Manchurian Global. We're strong supporters. Flick of a switch, we can adjust character, change personality. These are not supposed to exist. Raymond Prentice Shaw. Listen. 
is a coup. This is rich people funding bad science to put a sleeper in the White House. Among the shareholders in Manchurian Global, you would find former presidents, opposed kings. Yeah, I get it. They're big. They're huge. And you bring me rumors and conjecture. I started with nightmares. Rumors, conjectures, that's a giant leap forward. Somebody got into our heads. Neurons got, got, got exposed and circuits got rewired. I think you should leave. No. What are you doing? I gotta find out what's gonna happen, where it's gonna happen. He's delusional. To watch where you going! You swore to me that this was fail-safe. No leaks, no glitches. I will do whatever is necessary to protect my son. We're gonna stop this and take them out. You don't think they factored you in? Hello, Captain. Do you remember me? Wow. Okay. So I, I haven't seen both the uh, Frank Sinatra version, which is no way as cool when it comes to sound effects as the Den. This is the Denzel Washington version, I guess. I don't know of any other one. Yeah. Yes. Two thousand four. Uh, the trailer from the uh, previous version didn't have any sound sound at all. No, neither did the movie. It was <laughs> the movie was not that great. I mean, from, from by today's technical standards. Uh, but it was, of course, the brainwashing of a uh, of a, a vet, uh, a um, uh, a former uh, I don't know was it a marine or military? Yeah, just say military. A former soldiers. Yeah, uh, brainwash. But by by who? In the movie? Yes. Uh, well, a was, corporation. Yes. Oh, that's it. Wasn't, the, the it wasn't the government? Yeah, Manchurian Corporation. Correct. Yes, I remember now. Yes. So now this is where this is where I reach. Oh, or you boy. can call it a reach, but I have receipts, so I don't even need the damn theorem. So I was, was going to fire it up, but he doesn't need no, it. Okay. No, no, I, no, not yet. Okay, not yet. What I did see here is in the movie, you have a corporation made up of former presidents, billionaires. So I'm not looking at the government here on this. Hmm. We're going into 2016 election. We see George Soros has pumped billions of dollars into this whole Black Lives Matter movement. Yes. What's to say they're not uh, organizations or factions out there that would go the next step to trigger individuals, which these two would be perfect candidates. You have hyper, hyper, um, Angry, they're angry. They're very oh, angry. Yeah, I mean, all, yeah they're, they're, they're tra- traumatized by war. It was all the yeah. right elements, sure. Yeah, because they have the functionality of being former soldiers. I mean, for long periods of time, I think one was like five years, the other one was four years. Uh, you can b- easily build a profile online on these two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can say that no, this this is the type of person that we, that we want to push over the edge now. This is the point where everybody's saying, come on, Mo. No, I'm what liking the hell it. Are no, you talking no, about? I'm liking it. I like where this is going. So, so what I did was I went and found Mr. Gavin's Long's first YouTube video. First off, self-preservation is the first law of nature. It's the same thing, same way as when America, they put you on the mainstream, they put on the mainstream media that there's a new tyrant, a new enemy, and they go and physically do an assault on that country. It's the same thing. 
And it's the same way how when I was in the Marines, I went and fought, you know, for 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 the um, United States because it was a so-called enemy. So it's no other. It's not different from someone fighting against you and assaulting you and you protecting yourself. It's the same way. There's nothing wrong with it. You got the right to defend yourself at any moment if someone is assaulting you. And gang stalking is an assault on you physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and psychologically. So you got a right to defend yourself at any moment. You got a right to preserve your, to preserve your life at any moment you choose, and you're going to be right. Okay, so he's talking about being psychologically abused. Gavin Long says he was a victim of gang stalking. Yeah. Which is, as he said in the clip, it's uh, psychological abuse. Did you hear this reported anywhere? No, of course not, Mo. <laughs> I didn't even. No, I, no I'm just. I, I thought I, they would have deleted his YouTube channel by now. That's crazy. I'm amazed I found this. That, I, is, I, I that is interesting. This. That um, is very interesting. And what I find even more interesting is if I'm going to build a case against Gavin Long, right? I'm going to say this guy is crazy because he said he was gang stalked and gang stalking is clearly um, shows that he's not real and he shows signs of uh, mental illness. I'll say. Why didn't they take that angle? It was no, I mean, because you could easily make that case and it's like one, one plus one is two. He was, uh, quote unquote, he thought he was being gang stalked, but that was signs of mental illness, which led to him doing what he did, wrap it up in a nice bow, and it's over. Yeah, well, we can't have that. But they didn't. They, <laughs> that's, that's not what. Well, that's not well, why we're set up. To, right. But but why why would he think he was gang stalked? Uh, let's just take him for his word. Okay. Uh, let's get into the uh, second YouTube clip. I follow nature. I'm in tune with nature. Nowhere in nature you gonna see a goddamn lion um, protesting when a gang of hyenas come to attack his ass. He ain't gonna be peaceful protesting, holding up signs. You're not gonna see it in nature anywhere because self-preservation is the first law of nature. Every animal in nature, I know human beings are not animals, but you have the right to preserve yourself. You can choose to, or you can. You don't have to fight back. That's that's the difference between human beings and animals. You have the choice, you see. But if you choose to fight back, there are no consequences. So that's that's the difference. So, and a lot of TIs that don't even know that harassment is a felony. Stalking with harassment is a damn felony. That's a felony charge. You definitely have the right to defend yourself. And if someone is, and you know, gang stalking is, they're trying to attempt you. They're trying to make you attempt suicide that's attempted murder if someone is trying to attempt you to force to force you into suicide isn't that attempted murder come on now let's open our eyes get it together hey defend yourself at all costs stand in your righteousness die in your righteousness period wow you know june 10th 2016 so this is before before all this Yes, this is his very first YouTube video. Right, but I'm, and this is what he leads off with. But I'm saying I'm seeing an article from June 10th, 2016, uh-huh. New York Times, 
about a guy who complained that he was being gang stalked and he uses the term TIs which I just heard in uh, yes in uh, in this video and that stands for targeted individual this is some paranoid stuff man it, now of course it may be true but this is people who believe that you're walking around and people p- bump into you on purpose and they're targeting you and they're harassing mm-hmm. you and you're a TI a targeted individual and there's groups of people who feel that they are also uh, targeted individuals by this gang stalking. And this is so widespread. And just, just to add on to the point you made, you remember the uh, Naval Shipyard uh, yes. shooter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was another I crazy did, one. He was saying they were using low, uh, low frequency. Yeah, he heard uh, voices in his head. Wet, right, he changed the hotel room three times. And he even took and carved on his um, shotgun. It was a low energy something weapon. So, I mean, we see these people, they're saying something. And not like I said, I, I, either he's mentally ill, which would explain why he did what he did, or he's actually a T.I., which explains why he did what he did. But we have to look and we have to look at what's going on here. Yeah. And then you have the timeline of two mil- former military people. Uh, doing these type of shootings 10 days apart. But also with this article in the New York Times coming out before the, before both shootings. Right. That's, a, that's an interesting that, coincidence. And on top of all that, Vice does a special on the nightmare world of gang stalking. Oh, how convenient. Scary music. Gang stalking, mob stalking, community stalking. You're in the middle of this ridiculous, irrational impossibility that is real and is happening. First, The Guardian revealed the National Security Agency is collecting telephone records of millions of Verizon customers. You surveil someone through their phones, through their, uh, certainly through their television sets. The last year and a half, he's been systematically followed by a group of people. Does the FBI use drones for surveillance on U.S. soil? Yes. New Associated Press investigation shows that the Bureau has its own little air force with scores of planes flying over American cities recording video and tracking cell phone conversations. He has a man outside of his house in a hood, like basically like a hood. It looks and we can. Well, this almost sounds like gang stalking or something. Have you heard of that? Many of the things that victims of gang stalking describe are also symptoms of mental disorders. We're not having a group hallucination. This is actually something that's happening. Yeah, they also call it satellite targeting, and some some people believe that the satellites are used to put... Uh, the, the, the common thread here is voices in your head telling you to do horrible things, which sounds a lot like MKUltra to me. <laughs> <laughs> which is always linked to governmental agencies. Yes. What I'm saying is if corporate America or corporate interests want to sway and that's the point that's the whole narrative of man cheering candidate yeah they're trying to get their guy in the white house or gal in this case of 2016 we have to show this racial unrest how do we do it we ratchet it up 
We got people killing cops dead in the street. Wow. Okay. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm just I, thinking I, what cor- what corporation uh, what corporation would would, uh, would that behoove? Open society, or it or or those types. Yeah. I'm not just going to put it all yeah, in Soros. Oh, oh, but oh, no, let's do it. Come on. Let's put it all on him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, because he's an icon. He's an icon of many people like him, but they're just successful, but that's, more successful that's than some, keeping That's some sophisticated stuff, man, if, if he's going to those lengths. But I will say, he's the guy who, in, I think, January of this year said, and he, you know, it's like, well, we got to get rid of Trump, and uh, I got to find this interview. And the question was, well, or the, the statement was, well, you know, it's uh, like eight months away. Uh, you know, that's what are you going to do? And he says, in a revolution, eight months is a long time. So, who the hell knows? What this yeah, well, there, up to. well, there you have it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. let's get. Uh, like I said, this is a this is a reach, but we have one of the shooters in his own words saying that he's a TI or tar- targeted individual. Yeah. And nobody latches on to this in the news media. It's kind of like uh, self-rich. When something is not reported, <laughs> yeah. that's even more uh, glaring yeah, that, than when they do yes. report something. Exactly, exactly. This is a slam. I mean, you could roll this footage of him saying, oh, he's a... And 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 the last clip we heard him say, the signs of mental illness, it writes itself. Why ignore it? Yeah. Well. Why? Yes. That's because it's not what that was not the desired outcome. So let's just get more into in this next clip uh, how gang stalking actually works. The gang stalking experience started for me when I noticed these black SUVs and other police vehicles driving slowly along the street, and but they never uh, came up to me or said anything. And then. I had seven or eight helicopters hovering directly over my apartment, and then it goes, and it keeps happening, keeps happening, and it begins to dawn on me that something is going on, and and this continued on. Here comes the gang stalking helicopter. Here it comes. It's confusing to humans trying to understand gang stalking. Why would they do this to me? Why would they do these weird, petty little things that, you know, may even just irritate me at some moment? If you were to ask me what gang stalking is, it's a way to slowly kill people using their own decisions. Wow. Wow. This is great. (laughs) This is good stuff. Now that took it right out of that last statement. To what he said, what happened in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Just, just let that sink in. They use your own decisions to make you kill yourself. Jeez. Gavin, uh, Gavin Long said what? They try to force you to kill yourself. Yep. He ends up from Kansas City. I said St. Louis before, but Kansas City all the way Baton Rouge behind a beauty supply store and all black with two guns to ambush cops. How does that happen? Ten days after we have this mass shooting in Dallas. Yeah, the voices in his head. And nobody him. wants to even. We saw the same. Like I said, we saw the same thing with the uh, the shipyard shooting. These people, he changed hotel rooms three times in one night. Yeah. Yes. What is going yes. on? I, I don't have answers. I have questions. And it's just something that we need to investigate. But Vice 
digs in a little more and gets to the bottom of gang stalking. When I told my family about this, it's almost like I get like a, a non sequitur reply from a computer. It's like it just they they just kind of looked at me like I'm not even I'm not even hearing this and I'm really not interested in that. My father, the the uh, the rocket scientist, the doctorates in mathematics. When I tell him anything about this, one of the main points of discrediting me is saying that it's like it's just you just, you just have to be negative and dark about everything. You have to because of your own dissatisfaction at being unemployed. I mean, that's a highly you know it's under, it's an understandable point of view. It's like somebody who's disgruntled with life in general might flock to an idea. Yeah, there's evil reptilians doing it all to us, and that's why. I'm so miserable or whatever. You know? <laughs> oh, I got to hear that bit again. That was great. <laughs> when I, you know, it's, under, it's an understandable point of view. It's like somebody who's disgruntled with life in general might flock to an idea. Yeah, there's evil reptilians doing it all to us. And that's why I'm so miserable or whatever. You know? Uh-oh. <laughs> hmm. Mo, promise me, if you ever hear voices in your head and you're not wearing your headphones and it's not me, call me. I, you will be yeah, one of the first people call I call. Call me. But you see what Vice did there? Did you see what they did there? It's the sleight of hand. You make you seem like you're covering it seriously. Oh, of course. And of then course. it's the lizard people. Uh, of course. But that's actually what these guys are saying, no doubt. Like I said, it always comes back to the reptile. Well, and it it also discredits what we're doing here. You know, because obviously there's a large contingent that could be identified as uh, reptilian believers. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. whether it's literal or figurative doesn't make that much difference, but... It's it's kind of a it's a it's like a bie of, of conspiracy podcasters, Rep, believers right. it, in reptilian it's certain people. Things, they plant these stories out there that you latch onto, and then it discredits you. But exactly. I was prepared for that. <laughs> of course, I came prepared. Of course, to not be discredited. San Diego mom. It's the thing nightmares are made of. You know, it's so creepy that I decided to uh, have a bolt put on the door, and I'm having my son sleep in here with me. Creepy only begins to describe it. It's like an alternate reality, really. When she'd get home from work, Fasika Tafara started noticing things out of place in her home. They were just all open, but what was weird is, so for example, they were open like this, but they were all at the same level. First, the windows. Then, lights turned on. Her cabinets pulled out. It's intended to let me know that somebody has been here, essentially, right? So all of the drawers have been pulled out. And- Something strange every single day for almost the past month. She finally realized someone has been coming inside. Are people following me? And then I started to wonder also, well, how do they know when I'm here and when I'm not here? Then Tafara found this... No. <laughs> well, I'm riveted. <laughs> what did you find? <laughs> We're going to find out in a minute. Okay. But... This is an example of how they do this thing. They just come to your house, slide out drawers, open windows, leave stuff where you know it shouldn't be. Uh, and Hey, Mo, hold on a second. Hold on, hold on a second. Was the Navy uh-huh. shipyard, was uh, that was a naval guy, I think, right? The Navy shipyard? Yes, yes. Was that a black guy as well? Yes, he was. Well, holy mackerel. What are the chances of that? 
And this woman, this mom, <laughs> is she white, black? What is she? Black. Black. Shit, man. I don't hear this with white people. Do we have any white people examples? Uh, oh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, not in the media, but uh, in, the, in the community. Oh, in the community. In the I'm sure. Community. I'm sure. Ah. Yeah. But wow. you just don't hear the uh, and and then people speaking in the Vice clip, the one that said about the reptilians, he was a white man as well. well. Of course, uh, <laughs> scoffing on the reptiles. <laughs> sure, he's trying to stay safe. That's interesting. But I don't want to leave you all hanging on the no, edge. No, please. So let's find out what she found. Then Tafara found this small camera in her 11-year-old son's bedroom. So she took to the internet and started digging. What she found? Something called community or gang stalking. It's an eerie practice aimed at your psyche to make you almost feel like you're going crazy. It's spooky and my understanding is that if this is in fact what it is, it can go on for years. You know? Only so, you're not. Tafara left her phone recording audio at her house. Listen, you can hear what sounds like people rummaging around. On one, you can hear what sounds like drilling. So this hole here has been cut into the um, into the attic space. Tafara says detectives have been to the house. It's kind of like, you know, if it happens again, call us, but there's not much we can do. Something that makes this even more terrifying. <laughs> wow, this is great. We can do a whole other show just on T.I. Yes. But for the people who want to poo-poo, what Gavin Long was saying, this lady... No, she confirmed. Put a camera, I mean, put a phone in her house, recorded evidence of people walking around her home, thinking around in her home. What is going on here? And you being the off the grid guy, (laughs) OTG. Yeah. You let me know what's going on. Shit. This, that's really interesting, especially that, well, Again, if you hear any voices, Mo, call, call me immediately. I'll do the same, but it doesn't seem to target white podcasters. Right. So it's... it's, it's, it's Very interesting. I'm not saying I know what happened, but when you start connecting the dots and you see how this term cropped up and you see what they use as the genesis for and the catalyst for creating this term... And then you start looking at the individuals. Even Jeff Session himself said, "We, we yeah, it was, yo, the four dead bodies. Uh, it was the was the motive for us doing this." Wow. Well, I know. <laughs> well, yes, and I, I thank you, thank you for for doing this, Mo. You really took me for a, a ride on this this last uh, you know last twenty minutes. It's great. I'm going to look into this some more because uh, now I'm looking at you know. ELF, extremely low frequencies, is, is, you know, how does that work? I'm more interested than ever, let me put it that way. This, but we know that sooner or later, whether it's us or someone else, they're going to figure it out. This is true. And also, as I always say, when it starts with us, <laughs> you'll start to see it crop over. Yes. You ask it why it's only target towards us. That's just, right. just give it some time. Yeah, it's just like just a, give it some time. It's just like you get a new bike and you see the same bike everywhere. Yeah, you watch; it'll happen to yeah. you. So that's 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 my wrap on uh, BIE. I love it. And Mo. my <laughs> theory on how 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 this whole thing uh, worked is played out. 
Well, we've learned a lot. We have, and I think we have work for our producers. Actually, producers get to work. Let's let's learn more about this. Let's see if do you have any uh, anything you can share with us? Any information? Any leads? I'd love to be able to follow up on this one in a future episode. And a reminder to everybody: this is uh, a value for value program. If you got any value out of this, please let us know. Go to mofax.com or direct to our donation page at mofundme m o e f u n d m e dot com. And as I always say, pay attention to everything and the truth will reveal itself. And I look forward to whatever truths we get uh, next week. We'll probably still be on lockdown, but I look forward to it, Mo. Take care of yourself, buddy. All right. Have a good one, Adam. And all of you, remember to support us. MoFax.com. See you next week. Don't make me over. Me over.